0: Store going to, I used to go there two, three times a day. Not anymore. Well, okay, maybe sometimes. <laughs> okay. So seriously, Yeah. two times a day? Yeah. And they change their merch. They're, so, they're always pulling out new stuff. And you, you, you keep finding new ones. Sometimes I'll follow them around <laughs> before they pull it out.
1: That's Katerina Garcia. She's a 35-year-old freelance fashion designer and mother of twin girls.
2: We want to understand people who really, really like to shop. So we're spending a day out with Katerina. Thrift stores are her favorites.
0: Let's see, what kind of luck are we going to have today?
1: Katerina's not unlike a lot of us, a bit more persistent perhaps. Her sister once gave her an oven mitt that read, Born to shop, forced to cook.
0: Come on, Chanel! Ooh, Steve Madden. Chanel, I'm buying this. Ah, it's emotional.
2: Overconsumption comes naturally to humans. Stockpiling goods has kept us from starving during times of scarcity.
1: Acquiring things also makes us happy in the same way that caffeine, cocaine, and chocolate can. That's because buying triggers a chemical called dopamine, which floods our brain with feelings of pleasure every time we buy. Buy shoes, feel happy. Buy an iPod, feel happy.
0: I was so bad at shopping with my credit card, so I, you know, bad, bad credit. Well, not anymore. I have good credit now, but I don't want to get into that trouble again. So how about when you shop with cash, how does that change things?
3: (laughs) It doesn't.
1: Katarina racked up a lot of debt in her 20s. She once bought a $500 purse.
0: So you've got kind of a theme going with purses? Yeah, I love purses. Actually, I have more than 70. (laughs) And there's more at my parents, so maybe I have a hundred. We're in Katerina's
2: basement apartment on the north side. It is two bedrooms. Her kids sleep in one of them. Katerina though sleeps in the living room on a futon.
0: Okay, first of all, let me tell you, this is not a bedroom, this is like a walk-in little store of mine.
2: I see the Jackie O bag. <laughs> okay. Katerina has a thing for Jacqueline Kennedy Onassis. A portrait of the former first lady hangs on the wall next to one of Audrey Hepburn and Jesus Christ.
0: Take a look at my purses. Wow. Don't forget to look down on the floor too. I have cool purses in here. This, I really, really love. Don't you think it's cool?
1: Katerina uses all of her purses and is proud of what she owns. She considers herself a collector. Russell Belk is a professor at the University of Utah He says about a third of Americans collect something.
4: Some of the things that seem to drive us are bringing about order in a small part of the world that we can have some uh, control over. It's also a a creative act, and uh, in building a collection, we're building something that is uh, unique to us. There's the little plate. This is what you put your cookies on. And they always came in a set like this, so the little plate's missing for this cup. But that's the combination. Look at these colors. I and mean, there's a little touch of yellow, some pink, some darker red, and black sawtooth patterns, sort of.
2: Roth Achilles is showing us his collection of 1930s-era German ceramics. So you're
4: drinking your cup of coffee or your cup of tea, and you end up with blood red inside your cup. Yeah, and, and so it's pretty radical.
2: He's a 58-year-old art historian and writer who lives in a condo near the lake. His walls are covered with paintings. Windowsills and tabletops are filled with pottery, even in the bathrooms.
4: So um, that's part of the the fun of collecting. Other people just collect a pattern. And if they've got these three cups, that's fine. But I want six of these. I don't want just one.
1: How many do you have of everything?
4: Well, I've got about, of ceramics, uh, there's probably about 1,000 pieces. And of um, historic photographs, there's about 430. Of prints, maybe 250 prints. Of paintings, I think there's 64 or so paintings.
2: Do you consider yourself a serious collector?
4: Fairly serious. I mean, it's compulsive (laughs) to a degree. I've gone through various stages of compulsiveness, and, um, and it has nothing to do with how much wall space I have. It has nothing to do with how much room I've got. It also doesn't have a whole lot to do with how much money I've got. Do you set a budget? Sometimes, but generally not. If I want something, I tend to get it. But in the course of a year, it all sort of irons out. And I'm not broke. So it's still rational. Yeah, so.
2: how, how often do you think you're making a purchase?
4: Hmm. On, um, on eBay, probably a couple times a week.
2: Do you, do you ever make a purchase you regret?
4: for 10 seconds, and then I forget about it. Because sometimes I think, oh, I spent way too much money on that piece, and they say, oh well, next.
1: <laughs> Collecting and excessive shopping have a lot in common. But there are differences. Ronald Faber is a sociologist at the University of Minnesota. He studied compulsive buying for two decades.
5: Collectors generally want to display their items. Compulsive buyers typically will hide them rather than display them. Uh, There's some satisfaction when you look at them for collectors. Uh, The exact opposite seems to happen with a lot of compulsive buyers. They feel guilty when they look at the items they've purchased.
1: A major cause of compulsive buying is depression. Faber says some people get a boost of self-esteem when they buy. In stores, they feel alert, affirmed, and focused. And some like the attention they get from salespeople.
5: What we found were people who had really very little control of their behavior, oftentimes bought things and really had no desire for the items they purchased once they were bought. Uh, One of the first things we discovered is people had... Closets and car trunks and basements filled with things that, once they were purchased, they never took out of the bags, they never opened, they never used.
1: Faber says almost anything can trigger a buying spree.
5: It either occurs as a direct result of a negative event, feeling bad about oneself, or there are compulsive buyers who feel the need to buy every single day, and they actually feel a great mounting tension on days that they don't buy.
6: was watching sex in the city and carrie bradshaw had on a a blouse that i have i was so excited that just made my day i love that show because um i don't know they live this exciting fun carefree life and they can do whatever they want to and go to dolce and gabbana and buy whatever they want to and um you know not have to pay the bills i guess (laughs) That's Fadia
2: Akrabawi in her Wrigleyville apartment.
6: I love shopping. (laughs) I love shopping. I go every day because I work right up the street from the State Street Marshall Fields. So I know that store, like the back of my hand. If I see something that I like, I, oh God, I want this. I just, I want it. And I start thinking in my head, where will I put this? And how can I display it? Or what would I wear this with? I will go on shopping sprees, and I will buy everything in sight. If I decide that this year I like this kind of shoe, I get it in three varying styles and three different colors. have to have it. Then I don't wear them. (laughs) So. Never wear them. Yeah, I went through a red shoe phase, and I decided that year was going to be the year that I wore red was my new black. So I was just going to, oh look at me, I'm wearing red shoes with this outfit, and who would have thought? But it never happened.
2: Fadia works at a radio station and earns a good salary, but she spends more than she makes.
6: I mean, I usually pay with a credit card, and then, this is so embarrassing, and then when my credit card is like, has hit its limit, I tell my mom about it, and she bails me out.
1: Is it is it hard to ask your mom?
6: <laughs> my mom was always saying... You know, you've got to get this under control. You can't live like this, Fadia. You can't keep doing this. I won't keep paying for your bills for you. And she always does. It's just in the past...
2: Fadia shows us her closets. They're filled with brand names like Gucci, Pucci, and Chanel. She opens a dresser drawer and pulls out a bracelet.
6: This one I got from Marshall Fields, obviously. You can tell by the box. Isn't that pretty? This was so expensive and oh god this is so deceptive (laughs) but my sister knows now that i did it so when they went to charge me for this they put it on my sister's card and she said um you know she said my sister's name here you go can i please have you sign and instead of saying no 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 you should you should change it and put this is not my card i just let her do it once I got the bracelet and I showed my sister and I showed her how pretty it was, it's like these cute little flowers with diamonds in the center. Um, she's like, Oh, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. I can't. I'm so excited. I can't wait to borrow it. And I said, Well, you can borrow it whenever you want to because you paid for it. How much did it cost? Do you remember? It was, I think, it was, well, I think this was on sale, but it was about $800. So, I mean, it's a really nice piece of jewelry. And um, I mean, I definitely have to start wearing it. So if someone
2: invented a pill that would keep you from wanting to shop.
6: Keep me from wanting to shop?
2: Yeah. Would you take it? no,
6: because I love it. I like the feeling, and it feels good. And I'm, you know, I'm embarrassed that, it is embarrassing that I, my mom pays for it. And I'm 26 years old. It's just not right. But um, it still feels good. And who am I hurting? I'm not hurting anybody. And I do good things. In my life, you know, I volunteer quite a bit, and I'm not a mean person at all. Maybe I would like to take a pill that made me, well, I'm still searching for the skinny pill, but I would, you know, maybe take a pill that could help me to not buy everything I see.
2: Development of a pill to quell the urge to shop is now underway. Drug maker Force Labs has tested an antidepressant that it hopes may someday be prescribed for compulsive buyers.
1: But before insurers will pay for it, experts must agree that compulsive buying is a legitimate psychological disorder. Many already do. Tim Castor is a psychology professor at Knox College in Galesburg, Illinois. There's a book called The Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. It does not include compulsive consumption as a disorder. Now... I think that one of the reasons, and I'm not not trying to say there's some conspiracy, but I think that one of the reasons we don't recognize it as one is because it's sort of a culturally sanctioned way of dealing with our unhappiness, is to go shopping. Kasser also says our society makes it easy to spend money. 24-hour stores, easy credit, and advertising that preys on our insecurities all contribute. I do think that our culture continually sends people these messages saying, you're going to be a great person if you make a lot of money, and you use that money in ways that our culture tells us to, and buy the right things. People want to feel good about themselves, and the way that our culture says to feel good about yourself is to buy a lot of stuff. Chicago's most notorious shopper is Elizabeth Roach. In 2001, the 47-year-old accountant embezzled nearly $250,000 from her employer, Anderson Consulting. She used the money to pay off credit card debt from her clothes-buying binges. One item she bought was a $7,000 belt buckle.
2: Roach pleaded guilty to the crime and paid back the money she owed, plus a fine. But her case created a worldwide stir because her lawyer, Jeffrey Steinbach, convinced the judge that she was unable to control the behavior. It was the first successful defense of compulsive buying.
7: Uh, Psychiatrists speak in terms of that illness uh, being connected directly with another, generally depression. Uh, And in uh, the case of my client, the depression has been chronic and uh, uh, unbelievably severe. Uh, And it is ameliorated, if only for a little bit, by these compulsive shopping sprees in which, just for a while, Uh, There is this uh, self medicated uh, uh, anesthetizing of the pain.
3: This is April 28th, and we're filming in apartment 6C. I was the lucky person who got to clean up the apartment in order to settle the estate. Filming to establish condition as of the date of her death.
1: That's Teresa Silbert. She's married to Michael Silbert, a lawyer with offices in the loop. One day, 12 years ago, He got a call from someone who needed to draft a will.
7: She was very proper, Uh, a woman who I believe was in her 60s.
1: Silbert asked us not to use her name, but he told us that she lived in a Gold Coast condo. Because she'd never married and had no kids, she asked him to be her executor.
2: Within a week or so, she was admitted to the hospital with ovarian cancer. She called Silbert, said she needed him to get something from her place.
7: She gave me the keys to go to her house. And it's at that point that I quickly learned why she did not want to come home.
3: It's impossible to walk and film at the same time in the apartment's condition. This is standing at the entrance to the living room. It felt like... A very dusty storeroom with an overtone of perfume, which I later found out was because of the little free perfume vials that they give away in the department stores. Were I was walking on some of them, so they were crushing. The bathtub contains approximately four to five feet of clothing and can't have been used recently.
7: It was just so much to take in. I mean, you couldn't even focus on on any particular area because everywhere, everywhere there was clutter, there was stuff. What was so remarkable is that there was only a thin path for one person to be able to walk.
3: In the bedroom there was only maybe about 11 inches of the bed showing where somebody could curl up and sleep on it.
7: And the the only place I suppose that you could sit down was that one area of the bed and the sheet was black. She couldn't change it.
2: It took the Silberts almost a year to clean out her condo.
7: I found out later that she had been barred from Marshall Field because she would buy in return. And eventually they barred her from going to Marshall Field.
2: So there were things of value among oh, yes, all the towels? Was, and
7: Well, the towels were not cheap towels. These were not uh, thin th- towels. These were very luxurious towels. But there was all sorts of things. There were... There were very expensive shoes, dresses, coats.
3: Some of them dated from 1966 and 67 because the receipts were still in. They were still in the original bags from the stores. Since and nearly everything was new,
2: the Silberts returned some items, sold others to high-end consignment shops, and held
3: seven estate sales. Still, more remained. Yes, this is what I got rid of at the end: 65 shirts. 220 skirts, 85 blazers.
7: So you don't think she was happier for making these purchases? Oh, I do not think so. In my opinion, this was a very lonely person um, who occupied her time by acquiring things, things beyond any possible need in this lifetime. ¶¶
1: Peter Weibrow, a UCLA psychiatrist, contends that Americans have lost their traditional inhibitions towards spending. In his new book, American Mania, Wybrow argues that in the past, neighbors and family knew how much we spent and what we owed. Fear of gossip and social disapproval created an informal check on excessive spending.
2: But now, few of those barriers exist. Most of us live far away from our families in large, anonymous cities. So there's less to stop us from overindulging.
1: Research confirms that compulsive buying is a real problem. Preliminary data suggests that about 5.5% of Americans have compulsive buying tendencies. That's nearly as many people as have diabetes.
2: Years ago, studies showed that almost all compulsive buyers were women. Experts now believe that men are just as likely to buy compulsively.
7: We're at a potluck at a Northside apartment. The nine
1: people here choose to live a frugal lifestyle known as voluntary simplicity. It's inspired by the 1992 book, Your Money or Your Life, which has spawned groups in 29 states and at least seven countries.
2: The idea is, the less money you spend, the less you have to work, and the more time you have to do the things you like to do. Shopping in this culture is a pastime. My friends do it. My family does it. It's a way to kill time and make yourself temporarily feel good when you come home with all your crispy bags and you get to take out everything that you bought and look at it, and you know what? 24 hours, 48 hours a week later, you're still back where you were before you bought the stuff, except you've got less money. That's Victoria Vestalo. She's an accountant and financial planner for micro-businesses. Shopping is very safe. I mean, how can you fail in shopping? <laughs> so something doesn't fit, and you have to go back to the store and return it and, oh, get something else. There, it's, it's 100% self-gratification. There's the thrill of the hunt, the thrill of the good deal. It's just pure fun and success.
8: You can't screw it up.
3: exactly you can't screw it up
2: do you think it's possible
8: that someone really loves to shop there's nothing wrong with shopping shopping's great shopping is wonderful there's nothing like a tough pair of shoes to make your day the question is enough what's enough what do you really really need I really don't need 17 pairs of boots about two are gonna get me through Three, just one for vanity. So what's enough?
1: That's Sioa Bala. She offered to show us frugality in action. So, a few days later, we met Sioa at her house in Forest Park.
8: Um, So this came from a garage sale. Um, It was the princely sum of $60, which I thought was a lot of money, but it's a beautiful chair. Um,
1: Sioa owns her own house, but she rents out most of it. She saves money that way. Her apartment is small, only about 550 square feet.
8: But I actually thought about what I needed, what was going to fit, and what was going to make sense. And then I gave myself a budget of $500 to completely furnish my apartment. And that was somewhat unrealistic, but I was close. And, um, Zioa, also who's 35,
1: works as a and freelance I I said, training consultant from, uh, and earns about $90,000 a year. And I two but she still and weighs every purchase she makes.
8: So when I go shopping, I think about, you know, is this worth however long it's going to take me to earn a dollar? And I do make the equation between how much money I make per hour and what I spend. You know, if it's 50 bucks or 75 bucks, is it worth an hour of my life? If it's not, it can stay where it is.
1: Today, the CEO needs a shoe organizer. So we're setting out to find a used one.
8: So
2: CEO, did you buy
1: this car new? Uh, no! <laughs>
8: I would never buy a new car. Never, never, ever, ever buy a new car. A new car is a mistake in action. Cars lose 30% of their value in the first two years. I paid $10,000 for this car.
1: She clips coupons and keeps them in the car in a big blue expandable folder. She strategically combines errands to save gas and time.
8: Where are we so this is the uh, Oak Park Salvation Army. It looks kind of crowded. Oh, so um, what we're going to do first is we're going to go in the back and look like the housewares and the furniture. Okay,
1: We make two spins around the store, no shoe rack in sight. COA does find a mug with a pirate's face on it and a couple of other things. And even though stuff here is cheap, she still likes to haggle.
8: It was a beautiful red piece of the same ready, kind of... Yes, I am, Miss Lady. But you know, I have sort of a dilemma. This doesn't have a price on it, but I'm buying this for a joke. So I really probably wouldn't be worth to, willing to pay more than a quarter for it. Because it's really ugly. I'm going to give it to my sister and make fun of her and give it to her. It to
6: her. Well, let's try
8: 897 and You can really laugh your heart out. What about a quarter? On the kind of, uh, we ain't got nothing in here for a quarter. Oh, okay. I see now. So I, I see where we're going with this. So...
6: Do you want me to push 89 cents or 3 dollars ninety? No, no, a
8: three, 89 okay. cents is perfect. I I make it
6: <laughs> yeah.
8: <up>. I uh, <laughs> uh, Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. These yeah. are a dollar piece. Mm-hmm. The prices
1: have gone up. Frugal living has allowed Ceo to focus on what matters most to her.
8: And I have much more time. I'm around. I'm available. My sister's going to be late for work. I'm available to pick my niece up from school. I'm available to, you know, let's cook dinner for your mom. Before she gets home, she'll be surprised. I have all kinds of time to do those kinds of things. That makes me happy, that there aren't all of these other controls on me. But I chose that. But most Americans choose to spend.
2: The result is we have less money in the bank and we owe more than ever.
1: On our day out shopping with purse collector Katerina Garcia, she left the credit card at home and just brought cash. By mid-afternoon, she'd spent about eighty dollars.
2: She found joy down every aisle.
0: If I wasn't so petite, look at how cool this bag is. <gasps> you doesn't look good with you. Look, and it has so. Look. It's cute. Look. <laughs> <laughs> and that just it perfectly. Occurred.
2: Oh. How much is it? Should we guess? All right, I'm not looking at it.
0: Cool. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. I'm ready. Cool belt. It's heavy. Do you guys feel it?
1: Wow. That'll
2: keep you from running away too fast.
0: This is a good accessory. (laughs) I am happy, happy, happy. Okay. We didn't even go through all the aisles. Can you imagine if we were going through all the aisles? Okay, we are going to pay. Come back Mondays is everything half off. Oh! I might have to hide that somewhere. (laughs) I'll show you. I have a hiding spot.